So I don't know if you know this, Justin, but Dr. Tor and I hang out every Sunday. Really? We share the same space. Oh, the gym space. Yes, We yes, share yes, yes, the yes, gym yes. space. Yes. And Dr. Tor comes in to set up his his table to make sure that everything's ready. Yeah. And um, can you so, mute that while they're here? Because yeah. yeah. I only have minutes sometimes. Yeah. By the time I get out, I got to get a, I have to get everything going as well as get the Zoom link going right. and get all the levels and the lights and everything yeah. right with the Zoom link. Right. And it, it's just very, you know, yeah, I have 15 minutes generally to do everything. Yeah. As well as a, you know, restroom pit stop. I mean, it's very rushed for me. That's why I have to get He's set very, up a little early. So Dr. Yeah. Tor comes in very focused yeah. to knock these things out in the middle of us greeting all these kids mm -hmm. and there are balls flying yeah, everywhere. everywhere. Just chaos. Everywhere. And baseball bats <laughs> swinging and basketball. It's to, like and I'm just trying to dodge it, but it's not we're my the space. Ultimate it's their space. I mean, I'm, I'm in their environment. Yeah. We're like this spiritual obstacle course for Dr. Tour's class every Sunday. That's so funny. Now, Dr. Tour is part of a pretty impressive powerhouse and okay. Shireen, his wife. Cool. It sounds like we're getting into it, Jennifer. So are you like ready to go? Like, I know. There's so I've like much to already started the show. You ready to go? Okay, just give me a good clear go. pause. I know, let's do it. And we're going to go. Hello, and welcome to the Almost Amazing Dinner Party, a podcast from the City Rise Network. Hosted by Jennifer Dennis and produced by me, Justin Kello, we're a podcast focused on families, helping parents navigate the confusing and often tumultuous journey of raising children to becoming functioning adults that love Jesus. Our conversations will be encouraging, often erratic, and possibly awkward. For that, we apologize, but no one is making you listen to this podcast. Unless you're married to Jennifer. Andy, thanks for listening. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Almost Amazing Dinner Party. I am excited today to be with you, and thank you for taking the time to be with us. I'm pretty pumped about the show today, but I'm required first to welcome Justin. Hey, Justin. Uh, uh, contractually obligated to say hello to me. <laughs> uh, it is in my it's rider. part of your rider. I need to be acknowledged that I'm here, that I've lugged all this equipment up to the choir room on the third <laughs> floor at WestU because Crosspoint is shut down this week for AC you issues. Know, I should have requested AC <laughs> for your entire journey up to the third That'd floor. That would have been nice. I did walk through a sauna to get to this room, <laughs> but you know, I didn't know we had a sauna at this church. I have never we sat this long in the choir room before. I didn't even know it existed. Though. I'm usually extracted pretty quickly out of anything oh, musical. you get kicked out of the choir pretty quick? Oh, yes. That. Hey, did you get that email I sent you? Someone sent us an email, Jennifer. I did get an email. Did you respond to them? I haven't. I responded to her on Facebook. Okay, I good. haven't good. No, responded fine. to her, but she, she we was were, our first listener email, giving us suggestions on cool, like guests to have and feedback on the things she liked. Like it was awesome. Yes. I'm going to look through the list and of those people that I'm still friends with and speaking to, okay. I'm going to check it out and invite them on the show. Okay. Any, any relationships that aren't broken, you can reach out Anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you're having a good week. Great week, man. I'm, I'm ready. We're, we're about to get into some good stuff. Well, here. we've got a guest today. I'm not even going to spend time talking about Who my cares? week. Who I'm just too excited <laughs> about our guest today. Today, I just want to introduce to you all uh, Dr. James Tour. Hey, Dr. Tour. Hello. Dr. Tour is a chemist. Uh, he is, I mean, he knows everything, nanotechnology. He's been ranked in the top 10 scientists in the world. Dr. Tour's knowledge of science chemistry is one of the leading factors that's driving his YouTube channel about taking, Dr. Tour, please correct me if I'm wrong, 
taking his element, the understanding of chemical elements to help us understand that the things that we're always just automatically believing about science aren't necessarily true or reliable. Mm. And more importantly, Dr. Tour is passionate about Jesus Christ, yeah. which Oddly enough, it's not as not as popular with scientists as you would think. <laughs> scientists aren't so interested in that, I guess. <laughs> They're not always thrilled. I can imagine there's some awkwardness sometimes when you're with fellow scientists and they know that you're a believer. I think so is that ever a hard road? It's not hard for me. It's harder for them because they they feel a little awkward. I know exactly what's going on. And uh um uh it it it's hard for them to kind of comprehend how I package all this together. But, um, you know, I like my colleagues. We're, we're good friends. And um, uh, there's usually very, very little trouble in, the, in this way. They, they don't ask me about it. And sometimes I, I initiate it with them and we have good conversations and others are completely uninterested until certain things happen in their lives. And then they become more interested. Yeah. Right. I'll say this too. He's, you've obviously, Dr. Tor got a lot of great science and faith content on your YouTube page, but there's a video that was done of just simply your testimony, really, of coming to know Jesus that has 1.5 million views on YouTube. So his story, what Christ did in his life has impacted people inside of science and beyond just through that one simple sharing of his story that I don't even know if it had that much to do with actual science. It was really just your heart of coming to know Jesus that People are touched by, and 1.5 million people have never watched anything I've done. So uh, it must be a good story. <laughs> right. <laughs> so today, what do I, you know, I was wanting to have Dr. Tor on the show, and we can talk about nanotechnology. We can talk about how he's helping. You know a lot about nanotechnology, Jennifer? <laughs> so much. Is that your field that you really want to get into? <laughs> I've published several pamphlets. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I think what I want to talk to Dr. Tor today about is Dr. Tor shares his faith consistently all the time. And I know that for many of our parents out there and we have people in our lives that we want to see come to know Christ. We and and I even put a question out on Facebook today. What is your what is your child wondering about Christianity? What's their point? So what I want to ask you Dr. Tor is um when you're telling someone about Jesus, what seems to be the hangups for people where when you're sharing your faith and you, ch he challenges people. If you don't know Jesus, come see me. Yeah. Uh, and many times that involves a meal food. Yes. That's our, our, we're called the almost amazing dinner party. So food is very important to us. <laughs> so, uh, so when you are talking to someone about their faith and, and why they're hesitant or what's their process, what does that look like? Well, I, I, I want people to see that I love Jesus and that Jesus is altogether lovely and holy and righteous and kind and gracious. He pours out mercy. He extends kindness to everyone. Jesus is the best in every way. I want them to see that, to understand that when you capture this picture of Jesus, he is so good, so loving. It, it's God's, he is the embodiment. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God's message to us here on earth. And uh, I'm not an apologist. You know, many people say, oh, well, you know, you are an apologist, you did it. Well, you know, I'm not an apologist in the trained apologist sense. And sometimes people will come 
with questions, and they're all kind of about the same. Why is there evil in this world? Why do good people suffer? And look, there's a gazillion people out there that are trained in how to address those questions. I'm not, and I don't try to address them. I say, let me just tell you my story about how I, as growing up as a Jew in a secular Jewish home in, in the New York City area, how I came to know Jesus. Through that, I would say nine out of 10 people that I share that story with come to faith in Jesus Christ in that conversation. And then their questions go away. After we're all done, they've received the Lord and I've shared with them, I said, do you have any questions for me? Most of the time it's, uh, no, 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 not anymore. And so you see that very often these questions are not the deep question within them. It's not the deep thing that they're yearning for. When you have Jesus, so much gets realigned that, that uh, um, things begin to change. There are answers to these questions. I'm not the answerer, though. I'm not, it, 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 I, it, I don't try to, to go there. And uh, um, I want them to see the love of God through Jesus Christ, that, that we are sinners. This is where I start. We are sinners. I start with my own life, where I was convicted of my sin and how that happened. And then we just, and I only look at Bible verses. And, I, and, and we read those together. And then it's that God gives a gift this gift is in Jesus Christ. There is no way that I can deal with the sin on my own. God has dealt with this through Jesus. When he died, he was buried and he rose again. We probably spend most of the time on his resurrection from the dead. We might spend 20 minutes on that where I talk about his resurrection. And the whole time is only about 30 minutes. And, and uh, um, just... They get saved after that. It's all about Jesus. The message of the gospel is clear. It is that we are sinners. We can't do anything about that on our own. We are saved because Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. Paul said, I was not sent to baptize. So Paul says, look, my job is not baptism. Now, Paul did baptize people, but he said, I wasn't sent to baptize, but to preach Jesus Christ, not in cleverness of words, lest the cross of Christ should become void. Whoa, what is going to make the cross of Christ void? It's going to be my clever words, Paul says, not in cleverness of speech, lest the cross of Christ become void. That my speech could make the cross of Christ become void. This is why I don't quote a single philosopher. I don't, don't, don't uh, talk about any his, his historians or anything. I just look at the scriptures themselves, preach the simple gospel, and the gospel works. The gospel works because it's beyond me. It's outside of me. They shall come from the east and the west and the north and the south and sit at the table in the kingdom of God. God said, they shall come. They shall come. I mean, it, it's beyond me. He's going to cause them to come. It's not up to the man who wills or the man who runs. 
but to God who has mercy. Oh. If he's going to have mercy on that day, boom, they're going to get saved. I really like that boom part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this too. I have seen as well, I did student ministry for, for a decade or so. And so I have seen people do have questions and a lot of times answering their questions doesn't necessarily bring them right to their knees for Jesus. You know, like, it, yeah, the questions are there and they need to be addressed and they come back up later. Um, but I love how you say, like, listen, the gospel is the gospel and it's it's strength in its own. Then what role do, and you're not a, a, an apologist, but like what role do apologetics and also what you do in explaining science in light of God play in leading people to the Lord? I think they, they strengthen the Christian cause because there are questions that come up, writings that need to be done, defense of the faith. But when I'm speaking to an individual, it's not me against some grand concept. It's not the higher criticism. There's individuals and they will throw questions at us that are not really the questions that they have on their heart. That's not really the fundamental issue. The fundamental issue is what we think of when we're all alone, what we think of to ourselves. So in other words, I know that if my family could read a transcript of my thoughts, if my friends could read a transcript of my thoughts, I would lose my friends. This is what you think of me? Yeah, they thought... Kind of didn't cross my mind, actually, but like, I would never voice it. The, the, the lustful thoughts that I have, it would destroy my marriage. This is who I am on the inside that people don't see. The questions are much deeper. It's like, why am I like this? Why am I like this? Why do I have these evil thoughts all day? I mean, I love my wife. We've been married. We're on our 40th year now. And I love her. I love being with her. But why do I have these sinful, lustful thoughts? I mean, I thought I've been redeemed. There are answers in that I am corrupt. It is radical corruption. And in spite of that, I am justified because of Jesus on the cross. It is a legal justification where God looks at me through the prism of Jesus Christ and in that, I am declared clean. Not that I am clean, but I am declared clean. Like a, a legal judgment. Not that I'm declared not guilty. In the, in the, not that I am not guilty, but I'm declared not guilty. This is what it's all about. And uh, this is what people struggle with. And they wonder, why am I like this? Why is it that everybody seems happy? And I'm like wondering, what am I even doing here on earth? I mean, wouldn't the world be a better place if I just disappeared? It would just be better. Everybody, everybody struggles with these thoughts. Right, they and do. that's what I want to go toward. I, that's what I'm going toward. I think the power in what you're saying, there's two, it's twofold. In that the first piece is what you're saying is when you're talking about the clever words, me as a person who believes in Jesus, uh, I think that we're pushed to be intimidated. And then we shrink away. We don't want to be awkward. We don't want to mess up the friendship. We don't want to say the wrong thing. What if we don't know enough? What if we can't catch every question? So I think a lot of believers are caught in this web of, of, um, of worry, of self-doubt, of lack of confidence. So they don't share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And then on the other end, it's this group that's struggling with I am an 
awful person. And in every, and if you don't understand the gospel, you're, you're looking at these people right. and you're like, I'm not going to get to, I'm not like that. Yeah. I, this is not who I am. So it's like this really crazy thing. That's all solved. Jesus solves it all. He solves the lack in the words and he solves the lack right. in the heart. Well, both those are lies of the enemy. Like Dr. Tor said, he has, he has a lot of answers. Dr. Tor knows a lot of things. You're like, I don't even start with that stuff. He says, I start with the story of Jesus and what he did in my life. That has nothing to do with what Dr. Tor studied or knows. And so when you say as a believer, like, well, I don't know enough to share my faith. Like, do you know how you became a Christian? Like, do you know your story? Right. If you know your story, you know enough to share the gospel. Like, and that's the message what is simple. It's yeah. so simple. Yeah. And when I give it to children and then I say, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? Would you like to follow in this prayer? And they just raise their hand and they're like, yeah, that sounds good. And I'm like, why is this so hard for us? <laughs> this is totally doable. You know, and it's amazing. I would say a third of the people that I lead to the Lord and I try to lead somebody to the Lord every week. A third of the people have PhDs. This gospel message is simple enough for a four-year-old and yes. profound enough for the PhDs. Who could have thought of it? This is God-ordained. God wrote this. God prescribed it. God was the, the protagonist. God is the one who went through this. God was, was the one who who was condemned to die. God was the one who orchestrated the whole thing. This message he wrote, why would I ever want to substitute this message with my own know-how and this and that? Maybe somebody is going to come to the Lord by talking about evolution, origin of life, but it's a very small number. I never, never go there. That's the, the people will come to me with these questions and I want to bring it right back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we talked the other day and you said, and I, and I was asking you about being on the show and I think I asked you at a time when you were really in a hurry. So you just had to say yes real fast <laughs> just to be able to escape, to get out of the room. No, no, I, I would have said yes. <laughs> uh, so my question is, I, I, I said, Dr. Tor, I want you to say, what would you, what message would you give to families, to young parents who are just starting out uh, with their children? What are some encouragements or advice you have uh, for them as they raise their families? When my daughter was about four years old, my oldest daughter, um, or three years old, something like that, my father-in-law was visiting and I, we had a my second daughter as well at the time. So we had two, two little girls. And I really admire my father-in-law. He's actually now 99 years old. And um, uh, he reads his Bible for hours and hours every day. And so he said to me, um, you know, we're talking 35 years ago or so, 34 years ago. He said, I can see you're very busy. You start early in the morning, go late at night. And I see you always pray with your children before you put them to bed. But you really should have a dedicated time where you're teaching them in the word of God. From that day, I did it. I get my kids up at 5.30 in the morning. I wake up long before that to have my own time. And then, and then at uh, 5 o'clock, I was waking up Shireen bringing her a cup of tea in her Bible. And then at 5.30, I'd get my kids up. And uh, um, I started doing this 
with with my kids and even the from the first day that they're home from the hospital they're coming into the into family devotions for it with us and I we'd sit out on the couch and I'd read from Hurlbut's story of the Bible H U R L B U T apostrophe S H U R L B U T apostrophe S Hurlbut's story of the Bible and that book was like written in the 1920s back when people had solid serious faith and it tracks with the Bible from beginning to end. I didn't buy that book. I had found a copy of it in a, in a home that we had purchased. And it tracks with the Bible from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. And it's, it's great for kids. Just get the normal version. You don't need a children's version. Normal version does it. And everybody can get from that. And I would read them a story from Hurlbut's. And then we would memorize scripture together. And when they were very young, I would, they, all they had to say, I would say, the Lord is my, and all they had to say was shepherd. I said, the Lord is my, and they'd say shepherd. I'd say, wow, look how good he did. And I'd say to the other kids, look how good he did. How come you guys can't get that? <laughs> and, and, uh, and we'd end up memorizing whole chapters of the Bible together. Kids learn so fast, and I was memorizing along with them. And I would, I would this was before the days of ready access to printers and, and online Bibles. And I would write out that chapter in my, with my own hand and they would learn. And then I would run copies of that and they would each have a copy and they would be reading my own handwriting of that, that those passages. And we'd practice those together. And then we'd all get on our knees together and we'd pray and we'd pray for each other. And then I'd lay my hands on all of them and pray. And I was out of my house by six so I left my house every day at six. We had 30 minutes together in the word of God. And I had the blessing of having a wife that, that worked at home, that got the kids ready for school, took them to school. And I was home by six in the evening. So in my career, I worked very hard and I worked six days a week. And, and uh, I'd be home at six o'clock for dinner and we'd have dinner together. We'd talk over dinner. And then I would put the kids to bed, starting with the youngest on up to the oldest while Shireen took care of the kitchen and cleaned up and I'd pray with the kids. But that time in the morning was a treasure. And the reason it had to be in the morning is this, as the kids start getting older, there's so many things that are going on in, in, you know, there's, there's practice in this and football practice and soccer practice and little league baseball and Wednesday night church and so many things happening. At 5.30 in the morning, there's nothing else. And there's no phones ringing. There's nothing else. And, and it was sure. a dedicated time. And I asked my two daughters when they were leaving the home, I said, what, what's the thing you're going to remember most about this family? And they both independently said, our morning devotions together. That was our treasure time. And I'm sure there were some mornings that were great. Some mornings that were maybe tougher than others. You got a kid waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Like, I'm sure there were ups and downs in that. But I love that it started with you making the decision to just when your father-in-law said that one thing to you and you're like, oh, wow, I need to do that. You know, we hear a story like that. And we're like, wow, you know, 15, 20 years or whatever you do, that sounds like craziness. But you're like, no, I started small. I had a book that I found in a house I bought. Like you found a tool that worked for your family and you did it. And I think for our families listening, if you're like, whoa, that sounds insane. It was a decision. And then it was finding the right tool and just starting from there. Yeah. And, and it's done. There's, there's so many tangential things that came from it is that, for example, all of my children are professionals now. 
with with advanced degrees in 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 different professions. You know, one's a doctor, one's a lawyer, one's a one's a banker, financial guy, and the other one is is doing her PhD right now. And so they all wake up early. They all begin their days early. I mean, it just absolutely trained them. And and uh, um, the the other thing is is that it was this sense that this is our time. And yes, you're absolutely right. Some days I had a gazillion things on my mind and I wasn't as patient patient as I needed to be. Uh, some days I remember the kids were just exhausted because they'd been up late in high school studying something or another. And if they fell asleep on the couch, I didn't bother them. And I can remember there were a couple times, a couple times that we were in prayer on our knees and I fell asleep. I mean, I was exhausted. And Shireen would get the kids and quietly move away. And I would wake up on, you know, still on my knees. And, and they'd be gone. And, 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 uh, and there were other times. So I'll tell you that Shireen didn't buy into this immediately. She Conceptually, it was great for her. Practically, it was not always. But I did it anyway. We did it without her. And I'll tell you that, that I think she felt such conviction that she started coming regularly. I mean, because I was there with the kids. And, and you know, I'd go to wake up the kids. Well, 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 why are you waking me up so early? I, oh, I can't imagine why. <laughs> Only for 10 <laughs> years have I been doing this with you. <laughs> can't imagine why. But we'd have this saying, you know, you're the, the last person who you see at night is dad. Because I'd put them to bed. The first person you see in the morning is dad. Isn't that the greatest thing? And they'd say, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just had them programmed. Yeah. But, but this Shereen's is what it was. There. This is what it was. And, and, and uh, so this was the, the, if you do this as a family, it, it builds something there that's just such a treasure. And we, we did it Monday through Friday. We did it Monday through Friday. On Saturdays, they slept in a little later. On Sundays, Sundays have always been a busy, busy day for us as a family. Uh, from early in the morning till late afternoon or evening, we were doing church stuff. Right. And uh, but but um, you know that that's kind of how our family was all those years of the kids growing up. I think that's really excellent advice, and it's a it's a great bar, and I I love to hear how. Families create traditions that build faith and it's practices that create faith. And it's the faithfulness over an extended amount of time that create the habits that build into the character. So I think I think that's that's amazing. Well, and every family is different, too. I think there's like for me, you know, I, that's something I'd love to. I'm probably going to try and figure out how to apply my life, but something simple like we listen to music um, around the dinner table just because I can't handle mouth noises. <laughs> and so I have to have a little bit of I'm noise the same in the way. background. I cannot stand chewing and forks like I the clank. So uh. I found on another podcast, they suggested this thing called Seeds Family Worship, which is scripture set to music for kids, but it's not like kitty kitty. It's kind of like modern music feeling, and we play that. Right. And so we're learning songs just kind of in the background that, that are singing scripture over our kids as we're eating. And so so I are think you the, like when you go to other homes, just know 
Don't start singing at the table. That's kind of a thing. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm just saying like, it looks different for each family. So you may be hearing what doctors were saying. They say, yeah, I'd love to apply a version of that or something like that. But there's so many different things you can do to create sort of traditions like that for your families that, you know, put the word of God into them and set the example. And then also increase the time, which part of it was just spending time with them. I mean, that's huge that you were getting that guaranteed moment with them every single day at the beginning and the end of the day. Like that's significant. So I love that part of the story. And, and, you know, that, that end of the day thing with, when they were little, you know, we'd sing a few songs and I'd talk to them and pray with them. But when they were in high school, I, I remember I could go up to their room and I wasn't putting them to bed anymore. They stayed up later than I did, but I'd have a conversation with them. What are you reading? What are you thinking about? You know, what did you study? And they'd begin to open up. And then when they were little, so, so the youngest one, um, the other ones that were all up, I was putting him to bed and I'd lay down next to him and we'd just talk. And at that point, you know, he's just telling me about his day. And I would usually end up falling asleep before him, <laughs> just lying down next to him. And then, you know, after an hour, I'd wake up and go to my <laughs> own bed. But, but um, I remember he was, he'd probably be embarrassed, but, but um, he was 13 and I was still lying down next to him in bed, uh, putting him to bed and going to sleep. And finally, when he was 13, he says, Dad, we have to stop doing this now. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. can't have this happening. Yeah, they'll tell you when they're done. <laughs> so I had a few. Uh, I did put this out online. Uh, what are some things that your kids ask? And I think this is not in an apology, maybe not an apologetics perspective. Uh, one question is that I think my daughter even has is why is this way the only way we they're growing up and and with so many other beliefs around them that, you know, and I think for them, when they start to talk to other people about their beliefs, it's really difficult to say mm. it is Jesus and it's hard for them. So one of the questions is why is Jesus the way? Is that an apologetics question? Well, I, I mean, I can take a stab at it. I, again, I'm not a trained apologist. I avoid that type of thing. Uh, not, not, again, not that it's bad. It's, it's, that's just not me. There's so many trained out there. Jesus rose from the dead. There's so much evidence for his resurrection from the dead. From secular writers as well, writing about the people in those days and how they were dying for their testimony that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. Uh, all they had to do was recant. And you look at the, the torture that the disciples went through of the 11 disciples, because Judas had already killed himself, of the 11 disciples that were left, John was banished to the island of Potmos. The 10 others died horrific deaths. Horrific. We're talking about boiling in oil. Um, uh, being crucified upside down, being flayed alive, which means they pin you down and they peel your skin off you like you're a fish. All they had to do was recant that they had seen Jesus risen from the dead. And they didn't. Nobody dies for something they know to be a lie. They, they would not die for this. So many people die for what they believe to be true. I would die for what I believe to be true. People across lots of religions do that. But nobody dies for what they know to be a lie. These men 
knew that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and they died for this. And not just them, many of the disciples died for this. So Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's pretty compelling right there. Now you look at the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is remarkable. When I compare the life of Jesus, the things that he has said, the things that he taught, the things that he did, versus the life of other so-called prophets, it's just night and day. The way they lived their lives, the way he responded to people. And he lived with people. It wasn't just reporting what he said, his messages. They reported the things that he did in, in the quiet, in the, in, in the, when, when other people weren't around and it was just him and his disciples. They reported lots of things. And everything, when you look at it, sometimes you scratch your head. Why did he do that? And you see the kindness and the mercy of Jesus Christ. He is so overwhelmingly kind and merciful and gracious in every way. There are things like this that make this categorically different. He's risen from the dead, his kindness. And then you have the whole Old Testament prophecies pointing to this over and over again, fulfilling the things that were written about. And this could not have been written after he was born. No way, because we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, which date back before the life of Jesus walking on earth, that are very accurate to the Hebrew scriptures that we have today. And all of this coming together and this focal point, all of this prophecy behind this, it is so overwhelming in its content. And then there's the heart of the message. The heart of the message is so real that it drives it home that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to change this. And God gives a gift and it's in the person of his son, and he loves everyone. He is kind and gracious in every way. You don't see anything, anything negative about Jesus that is written across all sorts of, of, of writings. And uh, so this, this was just, this is just, to me, remarkable and very different than what you see in other sorts of faith. It's not, it's not, a, a, a bunch of, of esoteric things out there that are, are surreal type things. I mean, it is so life. Absolutely. I read this verse and boom, it just, this is me. This is my life. I look at the scriptures. I get done with one verse in the morning and I can't get past it because there's so much life speaking to me. And the Bible is, as the French would say, it's an embarrassment of riches. Every verse is just dripping with holiness and with profundity where it just it just nails you right in your heart i think what i think what's powerful about what you're saying and, and what we as believers we've got to be more knowledgeable about our faith we've got to be steeped in scripture spending time in scripture uh and and continuing you spend every day studying the bible and as a scholar you, you continue to study it every single day. And I think that many times we don't. We see our faith as kind of like maybe this club that we're sort of in or this church we go to when we have a new outfit. It's not, we're not seeing it through these eyes of this is the journey and this is the significance of the, of the scripture. And so when we want to talk to our children about faith, I don't know that we're living in a faith 
where they see the power of that. I I wonder if I am. And Justin, I know you're not. My family is, <laughs> is we're great. We don't have any problem with that. <laughs> we're so we're just breathing in God's scripture every day. And, <laughs> no, like I agree. And, and, and Dr. Tor has the benefit of looking back over, you know, she has kids are all grown. Some of us are in the weeds with children. The weeds. You know, we are potty training. We are dealing with social media in new ways with teenagers. Like we are like overwhelmed with all these external factors. And it's like, if you can just cut through the noise and like get back to the basics of like, how do we make scripture? scripture a vital part of our lives again is maybe kind of where you right. can start it, it may not be a 30 minute devo with your family but how do you cut through the noise like how do we memorize one like you said with one you know, the lord is my shepherd like th- something as simple as that is a great place to start for those of us who are like in the weeds of like well i don't even know where to begin because all the, right. all the, all the other stuff is, is taking over it's like hey we'll just if scripture is not a part of your life now, what is something small you can do to make it a small part of your life? And then build on that. We're not asking you, God's not asking you to read the Bible for an hour and a half a day when you've got uh, babies hanging off your, you know, off your hip, like trying to take care of them. You know, and I've, we've talked to other people. I, I talked to um, someone who, who has kids and she's like, you know what? My quiet time changed in this season. I can't sit for 30 minutes and talk to the Lord, but I can talk to my kids about God as we go. I can talk to my friends about God as we are at the park. And so she found ways to say, hey, you know, in this season, and scripture and, and, and dwelling on God looks different. Um, and I think that's a key to, to, I think, being successful in adding it to your Can life. Can I give my thoughts on this? Yes, well, please. We brought, you here only, sure. we brought you here only for your thoughts, so give whatever you want to give. All right, so, so I believe the scriptures are true. And the scriptures clearly say, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. It is very clear. You shall meditate on this book. It is not, well, you know, I'm kind of busy today. You wake up and you set aside a time and you get in the scriptures. I am not going to pull back on this and say, yes, you're very busy. You're potty trading. I was there. I have four children that I raised and I was very involved with their lives, very involved. I woke up in the morning early. It was hard because I worked a long day. I worked from six in the morning. I left my house, 6 p.m. I came home and I worked six days a week. And Sunday for me was always active ministry. I had in the early days, I had a prison ministry Uh, that I was doing. I had door-to-door ministry that I was doing. Every Monday night, I was in a prison and uh, uh, witnessing. And so you can tell me all you want about how busy you are. And I'm telling you, you have to be in the Word of God. It's not me. It's the Word of God. You shall meditate on this book day and night. The Bible puts it two ways, day and night and every day. It says in Psalm 1, Uh, It it says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seas of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The Bible is very clear. The Bible gives promises that if we meditate on the word of God every day, puts it two ways, every day or day and night. If we do this every day, there are blessings that are going to come. There is no promise for three days a week. 
Maybe he blesses you, maybe he doesn't. The promise is for every day. I am telling you what the word of God says. You do with it what you will. The word of God is very clear. You meditate on the word of God day and night. I would wake up early in the morning. It was hard for me. I was tired. I was exhausted. I have been just like you. I've been up late at night with sick kids. I've been up with kids where I had to hold them on my shoulder because if they lay down, they couldn't breathe right because their heads were so congested. I've had all of that. I've had kids with diarrhea, kids throwing up. I've had all of that. I set aside a time to spend time with God in the morning. And the Bible is clear. If you do this, you will be blessed. If you do this, it says it says that when you do this, you will be blessed wherever you go. You will be like a tree firmly planted. Other people are going to be drying up. You're going to be firmly planted by streams of water. You're just going to have life coming in. Psalm 102 verse 1 and, uh, 1 and 2 says that if we meditate on God's word, if we delight in his word, our children will be mighty on this earth. If we delight in his word, our children will be mighty on this earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Man, I want that for my family. That's the promise. God said it. It has to happen. It cannot stop from happening. When God has said it, boom, the universe conforms to God's word. And in in science, we chase the universe trying to describe it. The Bible defines the universe's operation. Psalm 119, verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. What's the outcome of that? Thy commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I've observed your precepts. The Bible says I'll have more insight than all my teachers. It doesn't say than just Bible's teachers. It says all my chemistry teachers, I'll have more insight than them. If I make the word of God my daily meditation, and meditation is deeper than just reading. It is slow, pensive, deliberate. I open up the word of God to this day and I say, Lord, speak to me. Teach me from your word. Instruct me. And I read from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. When I'm done, I start again and I pick up reading where I left off the day before. It is very clear. If you fly by the seat of your pants with this thing, you're going to get, I don't know what the promise is, but if you deliberately. (laughs) I I wonder if there is a promise for that. (laughs) Because I think I may many days be on the flight. All right. But if you do this (laughs) deliberately, you are going to be blessed because God promised it. That's what I want to leave with your listeners. That's what I want to leave with the families. There's no easy way out here. There's no, I'm I'm not going to give you a a bunch of oatmeal to to just, just, uh, uh, just shove down your throat. No way. This is what the word of God says. You brought me in here. I'm saying it. This is what it says in the Bible. Take it. You want to take it. it and do it? Here it is. You don't want to do it? Fine. Then, then just get whipped around by the world. Yeah. Dr. Tour, I kind of wish that I had a hologram of you that in the morning when I don't want to get up, like Dr. <laughs> Tour's hologram comes up. You can just play this audio. He's I'll like, send you get just this clip. Up and read <laughs> your Bible. And then you just kind of yell at me. And I'm like, you're right. I've got to get up. That's so inspiring and so motivational. And you're right. The true blessings come out of the faithfulness. In those really difficult times. And I think we're in a space and time where we're giving each other a lot of space 
to be not committed. I think we're in a space where we're like, it's okay if you're busy. It's just fine. But like you said, what is the blessing for the faith that is spent by the seat of your pants? And I think I I know what that is. It's 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 easily you're being easily tossed by all these other ideas. You're easily doubting what God feels about you or 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 that is even part of what's happening in your life. You because I know Many times I'm a seat of the pants Christian. And what I struggle with is shame, a thought that God is not engaged in what's happening with me, that God doesn't understand what's happening in the world, that God's not leading at all, but he's, you know, kind of reacting to it. And I think that's what happens when we're not in the word. Those thoughts start to seep in and they weaken our faith. They weaken our resolve. And then we're just kind of tossed with or without our pants. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because we're not consistently being faithful in God's word. And you know what, what my kids saw is this. They knew that if they ever woke up real early in the morning, before I ever got them up, that they were going to see their dad at the bottom of the steps on his knees with the Bible open. That's the picture they all have in their mind. That if all they had to do was open the door, look down the steps, their dad was there in the morning on his knees with the Bible open. And they all knew it. And Shireen knew it. And to just, just a couple of days ago, just uh, um, she was telling people because it was Father's Day. She said, this image of our family is this. The dad was there at the bottom of the steps every day with his Bible open on his knees. I mean, that's the testimony of my wife of 40 years. That's her image of me. Well, I I think that's incredible. What a that's a test that's a testimony that's also such an incredible faithful life filled. And honestly, Dr. Tor, with you know, and I was joking with Dr. Tor when we first came in the room. I said, if I read through all the things that you have done in science and faith, it would probably probably be half of our shit. Mm-hmm. So I th- I think what's uh, what I want to say is Dr. Tor has. God has used Dr. Tor in mighty ways to understand even the smallest of things, nanotechnology, and the biggest of things with the wisdom of who God is. But he's been really faithful in your life to have just an incredible body of work that he's led you through. And I, and I think that's amazing. But I think that the, the picture is being faithful daily to be in God's word. That's where he's leading us in our life daily. Thank you. That was such a powerful word. Like we should probably end the show now, but the, at the end of every show, we have a silly question. <laughs> read the room, like should... read the room, Jennifer. <laughs> I, know. I know. I feel like we should sort of no, end I the I want to hear Dr. Tor. I want to hear Dr. Tor answer one of your silly questions. This would make, nothing would make me happier than to hear you ask this question, whatever it's going <laughs> to be. Than to hear, so every Whatever week. happens is she'll ask a question. Jennifer and I will answer it first. So you have time to think about it. It's, it's not necessarily silly. It's just, you know, not really on topic. It's kind of a last little wrap Give him up. a couple of the uh, examples. Well, one was like, if you could live in any fictitious world, what fictitious, fictitious world would it be? Or if you could, you know, something simple like icebreaker, like if you could have lunch with anybody living or, or, or dead, who would it be and why? That sort of thing. Uh, Jennifer's having me feel for time because she obviously was not prepared. Um, I was prepared. Okay, let's go. I have a question. Dr. Tor, would you rather live? I think I know the answer of this. And I already know my answer. We'll answer first. We'll answer first. Go ahead. Would you rather live 100 years in the future or in the past? 
Okay. hundred years in the future or in the past. Justin, I think you already have your answer to I want to hear yours first, though. You want to hear mine? Yeah. I think that I would like to live a hundred years in the past. Why? Because I think I would like to live in the past. Um, I think I would learn more skills that way. I okay. think we were a lot more hands-on our, in our world. And I think I would like to spend time with my forefathers. I would like to hang out with my great grandfather and spend time with so him. So you're saying the question is if you could jump right now, 100 years if forward or backward? Forward or okay, back. So if you're jumping backward, you're seeing your ancestors. If you're jumping forward, you're seeing, you know, your descendants right. or whatever. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Then, right. I, then if I could jump 100 years or go forward or backward, I would probably choose forward because I want to see what happens with my kids and what that legacy oh, looks I like. Forgot and, about that. That's a really uh, yeah, you did have a child. So hopefully she, you know, <laughs> leaves some sort of legacy behind. I'd love to see what's going on there, you know, to kind of see what, what, what took place from this moment, hundred years forward. So that's what I would choose. Hmm. Okay. Dr. Tor, would you go forward or backwards? I don't think I'd want to do either. <laughs> I mean, it, because a hundred years ago, we had just kind of come out of world war one there were so many people whose lives had been devastated. We were going into a time where there was uh, um, uh, real turmoil in the world as it was beginning to gear up for World War II. And, and it, it was a mess. You had the Roaring Twenties where there was so much decadence. Right. And there wasn't, there wasn't a, 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 real, a real acknowledgement of the Word of God. I've talked to a lot of old people who graduated, now they're gone now, but who graduated from Rice University in the 1920s, late 1920s, they graduated and they said there were, there were no Christian professors. Nobody would have spoken like I'm speaking in, in there. It would, never would have been acceptable. Um, so this thing of, oh, it must've been so great back then. I'm not sure it was. And in the future, I'm not sure I want to know. I mean, at the rate that we're going, it's frightening. It does feel what, like we're kind of in a What it's going to be spiral. like in 100 years. And I'm not sure I want to see the devastation of what my children and grandchildren are going to have to go through. I, mm -hmm. I just want to go be with the Lord. I mean, because it's so, it's so frightening what my, my children are going to face in the way that, right. that this world is going. So uh, I, I am so content <laughs> I with where Jesus either. has placed me in history. Uh, true. Yeah. True. And, and because I, because this window that we have in human history, in this country, where we can pick up our Bible and worship, where we can talk about Jesus and not get thrown in jail, where we don't have to worry, uh, well, we're in many ways protected from marauding bands coming into our village and wiping us out. Agreed. True. And, and, this is a very narrow window in human history. It is. Most people have not had this experience where we go out and we, we're confident, fairly confident we're going to come home the same way. I mean, in the old days, I mean, marauding bands came and just wiped out your village one after another after another. And so, so um, uh, I want to stay in this little window that God has put me in. <laughs> I think we all do now, Dr. Yeah. Tor. Let <laughs> well, me ask you this, Jennifer. What's your favorite smell and why? My, so we're now we're going to smells. <laughs> we're just going to head, head into that. I wonder, Dr. Tor. Dr. Tor, what's your favorite smell and why? I know my favorite smell. Tell me. Tell me. Uh, my favorite smell is the combination of cologne and chewing gum because it means I'm on a date. 
Oh, I love it. That's cute. Yeah, just Andy mostly. Okay. I'm just mostly dating. Andy. Okay, I think some people would say bacon, but bacon lingers for like six days in your house, and I can't handle it. It does. It sticks to your walls. It. But I will say. It, cookies, like fresh baked cookies. Like if I walk in a room and there's fresh baked cookies or the oven's on. Are you immediately in a good mood? Oh, of course. Because I know I'm about to eat cookies. Like why would I not be in a good mood? True. That's our favorite smell. You know, you're, you're speaking to a chemist. And we, <laughs> we have smelled a lot of different things. I mean, it's not, it's not a test we're supposed to normally do because there are a lot of toxic things. But, but there's a lot of classes of compounds that you we've made. And it used to be... In the old days, when I was in school, you would make certain classes of a compound and you could tell the class of compound it was by, by, by the smell. Wow. So if something smelled like a fruit, it was usually an, an ester, for example. And if, if something smelled uh, uh, rancid, it was usually a carboxylic acid. So, I mean, I like the smell of coconut. I like the smell. I actually... Actually, like my wife's perfume, I know when she's around. Now she uses several different types, but um, uh, I, I like um, I like bacon, and it reminds me. It reminds Shireen doesn't make much bacon, but it reminds me of growing up. Yeah, that's cool. That that you, you get that aroma, and and it's amazing how aromas are quickly connected to memory. Oh yeah, yeah. and and uh, yeah. Absolutely. That's a good one. That is good. Okay, I'm glad we went with the small question. That was good. We're, we're going to hear both of them. I'm, I'm keeping them both in. You're they're keeping both, them both they're in? They're both great questions. <laughs> they, are. they are. It's true. Well, Dr. Tour, oh my goodness, we're so thankful to have you on the show today. Such great wisdom and insight. Yeah. Let and, me wrap up real quick. Yeah. If you are <laughs> made it this far, thank you. We'd love for you to share this with anybody that you think would be inspired or encouraged or challenged by it. You can share the link by just sending it to them or just texting them saying, hey, there's a show called The Almost Amazing Dinner Party. They had a great guest on today. Once again, we love what our, our guests have to say. So we want to share that and always like um, and share and also rate and review if you can. Uh, Dr. Torres, you want to add something before we wrap up? Yeah, I just want to add a couple of things. It, so, so I have this, I have this YouTube channel called, uh, uh, DR James tour. So if you went to YouTube and then you typed in DR James tour, the channel would come up and, uh, um, we're putting more content on there. And the other thing is, you know, I, I know that I can come with very strong and hard words and I make no apologies for it, but I don't want to discourage anybody. Let that be used to draw you into relationship with Jesus. And I'd like to pray for you now. Father, I thank you for these families that are going to hear this. And I pray, Lord, that that conviction would be used so that they would start a daily time in the Word of God, even if it's for 15 minutes in the morning, that they would open up the Word of God and say, Lord, speak to me. They'd take a book from the Bible and say, speak to me. And they'd read some passages in that. And they'd say, Lord, speak to me through this passage. Speak to me. And as they wait, they would indeed hear God speaking to them from that for that day. And Lord, that they would then pick up the next day from where they left off. Father, let them get in that pattern. And Lord, I pray that it would establish patterns in families where young families would pick up this pattern that my father-in-law shared with me and that they could have this precious time with their kids because it's going to go by so fast. Lord, I pray for your grace upon these families, that the mercy of God would abound. 
for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen. 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 That was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you, Dr. Tour. Thank you for being here for the almost amazing dinner party. And I think it was truly. Truly amazing. Almost amazing. Oh, almost. Okay. All right. You got a high bar (laughs) there, I I guess. When I say amazing, you're like, you say that every week. (laughs) You got a high bar. Maybe we'll cross it one day. That's the end of the show. Thank (laughs) you for being here. We did it. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Almost Amazing Dinner Party, a podcast from the City Rise Network based in Houston, Texas. City Rise is a partnership of church campuses, nonprofits, and missionaries devoted to lifting our city and the world by generously giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information or to find a church campus close to you in the Houston area, visit cityrise.org.